Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. So, you guys know what to do with some soul? I, it was good. It was great. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for leading us, man. It's great to be with you this morning. I hope you're doing well. Um, how many of you, let me, let me just ask a question and get going here. How many of you would be honest enough to say that when talking about prayer, you would be so honest, so bold to raise your hand and say, you know what, prayer's been tough for me. So like 12 of you would say that you struggle with prayer. Is that really it? No? Well, here's the deal about prayer. Here's what's kind of interesting about prayer. Is if it were easy, every one of us would be doing it, wouldn't we? We would be a strong, strong church because we would have a church filled with prayer warriors. And as the late Martin Lloyd-Jones said, he said that if you haven't struggled with prayer then you certainly have never prayed. So all of you people who didn't raise your hands, you're disagreeing with the man himself, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who would say prayer is tough. It's incredibly difficult, right? When we think about prayer, we all bring certain assumptions to prayer. We ask questions like, God, am I just talking to this ceiling? Why doesn't the wall seem to talk back? Does what I have to say, does it actually matter? We find ourselves thinking, well, maybe if I say the right things or sound the right way, maybe then God would hear me. Maybe then he would answer my prayer. I remember from a young age, I was scared to death to pray in public. It would it'd be one of those things that if, you know, we were at a, a church service and, and the youth pastor was looking through the crowd and said, who would want to pray for us? And I'm quien, thinking, quien God, just don't make eye contact quien, with him. Because if I make eye contact with him, he's going to call me pastor. out and I'm going to have to pray in front of everybody. Because I was so scared about, man, what would people say? What do they think about how I say it or what I say? Even as a pastor, there's certain circles where I feel this pressure of like, golly, if I don't say the right things, they're going to think, man, gosh, how is he a pastor? Right? It's a real thing. It's a real thing. And I think we've all probably struggled with that to one degree or another. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at prayer. And most importantly, what we're going to see and what I hope the end goal of our time together is going to be that, that Jesus, through the power of his words, are going to transform our prayer life. I want you to have a robust, meaningful, meaningful prayer life. And that all begins with Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to cover verses 5 through 15 this morning. And what you're going to see, there's going to be three things for my A-types in the room. I'm going to go ahead and give you my outline. You can thank me for that later. Here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the difference between a genuine prayer life and a fake prayer life. And yes, there's a difference. There's a difference between genuine prayer and fake or counterfeit prayer. Jesus is going to give us some instructions for how to pray. Man, I know you like instructions. That was funny. You can laugh right? I hate instructions. And yet here Jesus gives me instructions to pray and I'm th- for, for how to pray, and I'm very thankful for it. And then thirdly, I'm going to give you what I believe to be the secret sauce of prayer. 
the secret sauce of prayer. And everybody wants to know what the secret sauce is, right? I'm not giving you the ingredients, but I am going to give you the secret sauce of prayer. So, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be, or Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 5. This is the word of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and to pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ever even ask of Him. And so in verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive Though, as we for, also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, over the course of this sermon series, we've been trying to answer the question, how do we live in the world and yet not be of the world, right? So over the last couple of weeks, maybe even uh, last week, Matt talked about how do we live a genuine life of generosity? So how do we, how do we be genuine and how do we be generous with all that God has given us, right? There's this, um, there's this calling on our life as Christians that it is our responsibility to take care of the poor and the marginalized. And yet at the same time, as we move into this week, we're talking about prayer. And so Jesus says, listen, we ought to have a genuine prayer life. As a matter of fact, we ought to be genuine in all that we do. We ought to be the most authentic people on this earth. And prayer is no different. And so the question that, the, the, the question that we, we arrived to this morning is, if that's the case, then what is prayer? Anybody ever asked that question? What is prayer? Well, last night, uh, I got to meet with a great theologian, and so last night, we're sitting there, and we're in Lane's bed, my son's bed. We open up the Bible. We read a devotional every night. It's a lot of fun. And there, we're sitting there, and, and after we finish the devotional, we pray. Lane, my son, he, he says, well, Daddy, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, well, we're going to talk about prayer. And I said, well, how about, how about this? Let's just ask the question. Guys, what is prayer? And then my sweet, quiet little Drew Bear, who never says a word, yells out, Daddy, it's talking to God. And I thought, babe, you're right. The most basic definition of prayer is simply talking with God. It's communicating with God. So simple, yet so incredibly profound. And yet God, like being generous, expects that we pray. There is a general expectation, you're going to see that through this text, that Jesus says, and when you pray, he, he's expecting that you communicate with him early and often. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but communication is the power source of any relationship. Communication is the power source of any relationship that you have. As a matter of fact, I would argue 
that your willingness, not ability, because we all have the ability to communicate, but your willingness to communicate in your relationships will be the thing that causes those relationships to be healthy or weak. As a matter of fact, I would say that our thriving in our relationships has to do with our prayer life. Now, when I do premarital counseling, uh, which is something that I love to do, the first thing that we start with is communication. All my married folks in the room, you know what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about communication because if we don't get that, nothing else, they're not going to get anything else. And so communication is incredibly, incredibly important. Our relationship with others, our relationship with God will rise and fall on our willingness to communicate. So, when we talk about prayer, I want you to see that there is a difference between genuine prayer and fake prayer. Jesus mentions that in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, notice the expectation, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. He says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And so when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Here, what Jesus is helping us see is that fake prayer is loud, it's public, it's, it's, it, it's handing up empty phrases, meaningless phrases, lots and lots of words. In our context, we might talk it, or we might say something like Christian speak or Christian language. And what Jesus says here is that it's hypocritical. For us to be those kind of people is hypocritical. Now, Matt touched on this last week, but I thought it was good and, and, and fair to bring up this week. The word hypocrite, where, where, where the, the original word, where that root word, where that comes from, is the idea of actor. And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, when you do that, when you're more about impressing others in your prayer life than you are about impressing me in your prayer life, being with me in your prayer life, what he's saying here is that you are playing the role of an actor. You're trying to be somebody that you are not. Fake prayer is not about God. It's about us and our perception before other people. Now, on the other hand, Jesus in verse 6 gives us a little directive on how to have a genuine prayer life. As a matter of fact, you look there in verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Unlike fake prayer and inauthentic prayer, Jesus says that genuine prayer is quiet, it's intimate, and it is about fostering a relationship with God. It's talking to him in such a way, just like a father-son who comes up and crawls up into his dad's lap and just talks, shares life, shares wins, victories, tough things, great things, talking about family, talking about friends, talking about those who are hard to love. Dad, please help me love these people. That's prayer. That's genuine prayer. So Jesus says, hey, be careful when you enter the public realm. Why? Because prayer ought to be an overflow of your private life with Him. So when we talk about prayer, we have to ask the question, well, well God, you, you don't want us to pray in public? Well, 
well, how am I going to do that? I mean, what, why? Well, what, what Jesus is saying here, the point that he's trying to get at is that you and I ought to pray in public as we do in private. So, that being the case, what does prayer really look like? Well, beginning in verse 9, Jesus is going to give us some instructions for how we are to pray. Now, there's six points that I have for you. So, six points that we're going to roll through this morning. Three of them have to do with God. The other three have to do with you and me. So, if you want to have a genuine prayer life, we need to follow Jesus' instructions. And that means that we need to understand point number one. And that is, prayer begins with God and not us. If you want to have a meaningful prayer life, you need to begin with God and not you. In fact, when Jesus says, he says, pray then like this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is to pray a prayer to say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. That's, that's to say, Jesus, you are, God, you are so higher, you are so superior, you are so much wiser than me, and it's to submit my life at his feet, understanding that he is completely and totally other than. He's holy. He's separate. He's set apart. And so, yes, that's to understand the truth that God is our counselor, that God is our father, that God is our friend, friend but it is also to not forget the truth that also that God is the sustainer and the creator of all things. He is completely and totally other than. So our prayer life begins with the holiness of God. Number two, prayer is about His kingdom, not our kingdom. We've got to understand if we want to have a meaningful prayer life, it's about His kingdom, not our kingdom. He says, uh, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, not your kingdom, but God's kingdom. It's to recognize that the solutions to all of our problems is found in the coming of God's kingdom. That means that when I turn on the news or when I get on my news app and I'm scrolling through the news and I see the mess that is our culture, I'm not resting on me to be the solution. I'm not resting on you to be the solution. I'm not resting on politics to be the solution. I am acknowledging the fact that the solution to your problems, to my problems, to the world's problems are God's kingdom. What you and I need more than anything else on the face of this planet is for God to come, to bring his kingdom here, to advance his kingdom, to push against the darkness of this earth, and usher in his light. That is what you and I need. To pray this prayer is a prayer that is unsatisfied with the brokenness around us and acknowledges again that God is the only solution, solution to man's problems. Number three, prayer is about his will, not our own will. If you want to have a meaningful prayer life, we need to understand that prayer begins with God not us. Prayer is about His kingdom, not ours, but it is also about His will, not our will. He says, pray then like this, your will be done as it is in heaven. Now, this is a dangerous prayer. This is a dangerous prayer because it is to submit our will to the Father, trusting that no matter how hard, no matter whether I understand or I don't understand, 
His will is far greater and far better for me than anything else. Now, this is a hard thing to grasp. Life is tough, right? Life is hard. There's things in my life, there's probably things in your life that you think, golly, how am I going to get through this? I don't understand, God, why is this happening to me? And yet, God's desire is that we would pray His will over our will. I had an opportunity to talk to my mom uh, this last week. And uh, my grandmother, who is incredibly dear to me, uh, practically took part in raising me. Um, She's getting one step closer to be with Jesus. And her memory is gone. Her hearing's gone. It's a tough, tough season. So I'm talking to my mom and, and checking in on her, seeing how she's doing. And she said, you know, Logan, I'm finally realizing. I'm finally getting to that point where I can pray God's will over my will. Because I know that God's will is better for her and it's better for us. So I think oftentimes we want to pray healing, which is right and good, and we should. But I think a better prayer is to say, you know what, God, I don't know what's best. I have no idea what's best. And so I'm going to pray healing. I'm going to pray that you provide. I'm going to pray that you do these things. But at the end of the day, what I long for more is your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Listen, God's will is the best place for you to be. God's will is the best place for me to be. God's will is the best place for us to be. We need to be a people who are praying God's will over us. Number four, number four, prayer is about relinquishing control. Prayer is about relinquishing control. Jesus says, give this day our daily bread. It is to to pray for God's provision for today's needs and entrusting our livelihood to Him. So today, God, I'm going to trust you to provide for me today And then I'm going to entrust tomorrow's worries, tomorrow's fears, tomorrow's anxieties to you. I'm going to trust you for you to provide for me today. Now, in our culture, in our world, we've got needs and wants all kinds of mixed up, right? Oftentimes, my wants seem to creep into my needs category. And what Jesus is talking about here is water, it's a need. Food, it's a need. Shelter, it's a need. Clothing, it's a need. God's desire is that we would focus in on what we need, not what we want, understanding that when we're asking and entrusting Him to provide for our needs, sometimes God gives us our wants too. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that we have a loving God who, who oftentimes will give us what we want as well? But we need to understand what are our needs today. Now, several years ago, I had the opportunity to lead a handful of trips to Brazil a lot of fun. I, I learned a ton from this small fishing village in, in remote Brazil, right on the coast. Beautiful area. I had to backpack in, backpack out. And there we're, we're at this, this village, and, and it's, it's different. It's almost like going back in time. I mean, I feel like I'm in the first century. And, uh, you know, we backpack into this place, and we get there early in the morning, uh, one morning, and all of the men were completely gone from the village. And, and we're looking around going, where, where is everybody? This is kind of strange. We showed up. Shouldn't you be excited to see us? And nobody was there because all the men were gone. And what I learned is, is that early in the morning, all the men get up and they get on this, this dinghy. They call it a boat. It's not a boat because I'm not getting on that thing. I mean, it's like a four foot by eight foot piece of plywood that they get out on the ocean 
with this long pole, and they pulled themselves out in the middle of the ocean with nothing but them and a net. Ain't gonna get me on that boat. It's not a boat, it's a dinghy. And, and, and so anyway, they go out there, and they make their catch, and then they come back in, and they rely on that particular catch for that day. So whatever they catch is what they eat that day. And if they need something else, then they barter it off, and they get what they need, right? But these men and these, these families are used to providing for themselves to provide for them, to provide to meet their needs. So what Jesus is doing here is he's kind of flipping the script. He's reversing this idea, and he's saying, rather than trusting yourself to meet your daily needs, trust me. Trust me. I'm your provider. Focus on me. Work hard and trust that I'm going to take care of the rest. Now, you need to hear, as Christians, we ought to be the hardest working people on the face of the planet. Because of who God is and what He has done for us in Christ, we ought to be a hard working people. You ought, your boss ought to never say that you're lazy. There's no lazy, there's no room for laziness in the kingdom. But hear me, hear me. We trust not our work to provide for us. We trust the God who provides, right? Right, our disposition ought to be one who works hard, but trusts that God, the great provider, is the one who meets our needs. Number five, prayer reveals the nature of our hearts. Prayer reveals the nature of our hearts. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. If you jump down to verse 14 and 15, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Now, you may be thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, God doesn't forgive me? If I don't do this, then God doesn't do that? Is that, is that true? Well, no. No, salvation is by faith and faith alone, by simply asking God, I just need your forgiveness. But what Jesus is doing is he's helping us see, and he actually in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 25, he actually helps us expand what he's talking about here. It's the parable of the master and the servant. Maybe you remember this story. Uh, this servant comes to his master and he says, Master, I got a problem. I got this huge debt that I can never repay. As a matter of fact, he owed 10,000 talents. One talent was worth six years worth of work. If you're doing the math on that, which I don't do math, but if you're doing the math on that, he's never going to be able to repay that. There's no chance that he's going to be able to repay this debt. And so the servant comes to the master and he pleads. He says, please, I beg, I'm begging you. Would you please forgive me of this debt? And the master in his goodness and grace says, wow, you've served, you've been faithful. Sure, I'll forgive your debt. Now, the plot thickens as it normally does as the servant goes back to the people who owe him. And guess what he does? He didn't just ask, he demands. He says, hey, I know, you've got, I know you owe me all this debt. I need it, and I need it now. <laughs> Wait a minute, what about the forgiveness that you have just received? Completely disregarded. And I think the point of the story is to say that our salvation is dependent on faith and faith alone. That's true. But our understanding of this salvation is played out in our willingness to forgive others. 
our willingness to forgive shows our understanding of God's forgiveness to us. Listen, if you're in the room this morning and you are struggling to forgive, you may need to ask the question, do I understand the forgiveness that's been extended to me? Do I understand the forgiveness that I have received? We've talked about this a lot. You were an enemy. Now you're a son, a daughter. You had a a heap of debt that you could never get rid of, and yet Christ bore all of it on the cross for you. How then can you leave the cross and not forgive others when you've been forgiven much? Number six, prayer is about protection from the enemy. Prayer is about protection from the enemy. Jesus says, pray then like this, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Listen, I don't know about you, but my life is crazy. I got a lot of things going. I got a lot of irons in the fire. I got a family. I've got the church. I just started school. You can pray for me. Uh, So I'm working through that. I got a lot on my plate. I got a lot going on that sometimes I forget that I have an enemy. And I've got a particular enemy who doesn't fight fair. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he will still kill and destroy. And he doesn't do it from the front. He always does it from the back. We've got an enemy who doesn't fight fair. And I think oftentimes we get so distracted by the busyness of life that we forget that truth. And so what Jesus is saying here is not this idea that God would lead us into temptation, but the idea that God will protect us from the enemy who would love nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you love. And so Jesus says daily, we ought to be a people who pray, God, protect me. I need your help. I can't fight this enemy on my own. I can't fight what I can't see. And so, Father, protect me. Bring me into your security and your care away from evil. One commentator wrote that that this is our plea that God would protect us from the temptation of the enemy to entice us to walk away from him and then to hold us in his grasp when things get tough. That's good. That's good. Now, for the secret sauce of prayer. You ready? This is what you all have been waiting for. The secret sauce of prayer. Verse 8. Verse 8, Jesus says, do not be like them. Who is them? Gentiles, unbelievers. So Jesus draws the line in the sand. There is a way that Gentiles pray. There's a way that unbelievers pray. And then there's a way that you pray. He's drawing the line in the sand. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's the secret sauce of prayer. The secret sauce of prayer is that your Father knows what you need before you ever even ask of Him. And you're like, well, how is that the secret sauce of prayer? Here's how. As His son or daughter, you need to know this morning that God loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. And as a good father, He knows exactly what you need before you even know that you need it. You need to hear this. God sees you, He knows you, 
and He loves you. And hear me, this is important. And He is not impressed by you. God sees you, He knows you, and He loves you. And He is not impressed by you about how you pray or how you don't pray, about how I preach or how I don't preach. He's not impressed by what we do. And here's the great news about that. Here's the, the great thing about that. It frees you up to just go and spend time with Him, to just talk with Him, to talk about your fears, to talk about your struggles, your wins, your losses, your victories, your defeats, to talk about your family, to talk about the things you love, the things you don't love. Listen, God just wants to hear from you. He doesn't care what you say or how you say it. We need to honor God in our heart as holy. Treasure Him and who He is. Understand that He is completely and totally other than. And yet at the same time, He's our friend. He's our counselor. He's our Father who longs to hear from you and longs for you to have a life where you, are on, where you have an ongoing life of just talking with Him, communicating with Him, spending time with Him. Listen, if there's been anything that's taught me about prayer, it's being a dad right? You know, so much of my day, so much of my day is busy and talking to people and on the phone, writing emails, writing sermons, reading, all of these things. And when I come home, what I long for most is to hear these words. Hey, dad, you want to go play, you want to go play ball? Hey, dad, you want to go, you want to go throw the football? Hey, dad, you want to see me do the uh, monkey bars? I don't care how well Lane or Drew do the monkey bars. I don't really care how well he throws the ball, although I do. <laughs> we got to get a scholarship. It's fine. He's a lefty. We're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Right? But I don't care how he performs. What I care is that he wants to spend time with me and that he desires that because I know we're going to get to middle school and that's not going to be the case. And so the point here is this, the secret sauce of prayer is that God sees you, He knows you, He loves you, He knows everything about you. You can't hide from Him, you can't manipulate Him, you can't impress Him, so just be with Him. Just hang out with Him, just talk with Him. Just spend your life in an ongoing communication with Him. Paul says it well, pray without ceasing. It doesn't have to be profound. It can be simple words to say, God, I just need you in this moment. It can be simple, it can be profound, and everything in between. He just wants to hear from his son or his daughter. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for the work that Jesus has done on the cross for us. I can't help but think that Jesus had His going to the cross for us in mind when He's talking about prayer because it's there on the cross where the separation between you and me was shattered. The veil was torn so that I no longer have to go to a priest, but rather all I have to do is simply talk with you. I don't have to fear that to enter into your presence that I will be killed, 
Because of the blood of Jesus, I can enter boldly into your presence and simply have a relationship with you. God, I'm reminded this morning that our prayer life reveals the integrity of our relationship with you. So God, I pray this morning that you would cut the fluff. God, that you would see through our Christian speak and desire to impress people by the way that we talk or the way that we pray. But God, that we would be authentic before you because you see through it all and you still love us. Doesn't matter how we perform or how we don't perform, you see through it all. Father, thank you for that. So I just want us to spend some time this morning, and I just want, I want to confess to, to God. I, I just want you to say, God, if there's some areas in your life where you have tried to impress Him or tried to impress others, just confess that and say, God, I, I haven't been as authentic as I could be, should be, or want to be. But I long to be authentic before you and before others, to be a genuine person of faith. And just take a few more minutes and just say, God, I, because I want to be an authentic person of faith, be genuine in all that I do, including my prayer life, God, would you just help me to do that? Would you help me just to remove the idea that prayer is talking to the wall or just talking to myself, but that it's truly talking and communicating with the God of the universe who sees me and knows me and loves me. Help me to do that. Help me to make this a regular part of my life. I can't have a relationship with someone that I don't know and that I don't talk to. And so God, while it's hard, help us to do it. Help us to do it. Father, help us to be a church that's filled with prayer warriors. Not looking to impress anyone else, but just to simply be with you, to be aligned with your will. Asking for your will to be done here as it is in heaven. Father, we submit our lives, we submit our church to you, and then we, we entrust it to your faithful in capable hands. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's my challenge for you this week. This is going to sound easy, but I want you to time yourself. Here's your challenge, your action step. You ready? I want you to take 10 minutes out of your day, 10 minutes out of your day to sit in quiet and in prayer with God. I would be willing to bet that it'll transform your week. It'll transform your day and if you keep doing it, it'll transform your life. Ten minutes a day with him. Okay? All right. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 205-336-0111.
254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.